Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Building this new outlet and really rethinking how do we go about this stuff? How do we better serve the community? What does it look like? You know, we, we sort of cling to certain things at the paper as it shrinks, but what if we were starting from scratch? And so that was one of the things that really attracted me to this. Imagine building a large Metro Daily digital newsroom in 2022 from scratch. How big would it be? How would you make that online publication sustainable? 50 journalists in Baltimore are answering all of those questions right now. I'm Michael O'Connell. Welcome to It's All Journalism. The first Baltimore banner was a newspaper set up during the 1965 strike against the Baltimore newspapers. Last October, the Venetoulis Institute of Local Journalism, a nonprofit founded by Stuart Bainham, announced that it was launching a new Baltimore banner in 2022. If you've been paying attention to social media, you'll have seen lots of journalists joining the new publication. Today, I'm talking to two of them, Liz Bowie and Justin Fenton, two former reporters for the Baltimore Sun. Liz and Justin, welcome to It's All Journalism. Thank you very much. Welcome. Okay, so Liz, I I say welcome back to you. We spoke in in 2022. At that time, you you know, you were at the Sun. You're also with the News Guild, and the News Guild was trying to, you know, establish some local ownership at the Sun. So, can you give us a little update on how that went? Not as we had hoped. The News Guild, both the Baltimore Sun's News Guild, was working to try and find local ownership for the Baltimore Sun to buy the Baltimore Sun, and Stuart Bainham in fact, tried to and was unsuccessful. He also attempted to buy all of Tribune and all of the nine newspapers associated with it. The unions of Tribune very much backed his effort and each of the papers associated with the Tribune chain went out and tried to find their own local owners who could buy the papers, their papers from Stuart Bainham if he had been successful. In late May, unfortunately, the chain was sold to Alden Global Capital, which was sort of our worst nightmare. After that happened, Stuart Bainham started really deeply considering whether or not to do this startup. And over the summer and fall began the efforts that he needed to put in place to to begin the banner. Okay. And despite all of the, you know, worst nightmares happening and and all of the bad luck and things that happened over the last year, the banner, I guess we can look at that as sort of a positive direction that we're moving in Baltimore. Is that <laughs> well it must be positive. You're both have gone there. Um <laughs> I think Justin and I believe it's a very positive development. We are really excited to begin an experiment that really hasn't been tried anywhere in the country so far. The effort will be to start a major outlet, news digital only outlet launching soon that will provide real coverage of a metro area. There've been lots of digital startups in journalism, but most of them are fairly small efforts. This will begin with 50 journalists and grow to possibly a hundred in the newsroom, which is larger than the sun is right now. Wow. Justin, you, you were at the sun for a pretty long time. I think I said, yeah. was it 17 years? Just, just about 17 years. Yep. 
So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? How'd you end up at the Sun? Well, let's just talk about your journey to the Sun. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a local guy. I used to deliver the Annapolis Capitol, one, one of the papers that has really shrunk under uh, Baltimore Sun's ownership and on Alden Global's ownership. Went to the University of Maryland, and the Sun is the only place where I've ever worked. And uh, you know, I started out in the Hartford County Bureau, which is a small rural county, and I covered everything. I covered the government, the crime, the schools, uh, all of that. And then I moved to the Anne Arundel Bureau. And then I've been uh, a city police and crime reporter since 2008. Really, really proud of the work I was able to do. I, I did an investigation of how Cal Ripken Jr. sort of ripped off his hometown to build a minor league baseball stadium. I did a three-part series about a, a con woman from Anne Arundel County who who killed a man and, and faked her own suicide to try to get away with some of her crimes. And on the city desk, I helped you know, lead to some major reforms in how sexual assault cases are in, investigated. And uh, obviously, over the past six years in Baltimore and on the crime beat have been particularly tumultuous with the death of Freddie Gray and a major, major corruption scandal involving a group of uh, plainclothes police officers. That enabled me to write a book, which I uh, published last year from Random House, being turned into a HBO miniseries that launches in April. But, you know, the timing was right for this new venture. I, I'm excited about it. The Sun watched it shrink and shrink around us. And I got there. There was over 300 reporters. There was foreign bureaus. There was a national staff. There was a lot of different things you could sort of aspire to. And we got really shrunken down to a very, very, you know, core mission. It became hard to do the job, quite frankly. And so building this paper, or excuse me, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to keep saying paper for a long time, building this new outlet and really rethinking how do we go about this stuff? How do we better serve the community? What does it look like? You know, we, we sort of cling to certain things at the paper as it shrinks, but what if we were starting from scratch? And so that was one of the things that really attracted me to this. And, you know, I, I live down here in Northern Virginia, just outside of DC, and I've been, been up to Baltimore many times. Obviously, I don't have the same perspective that the two of you have, but Baltimore is a fascinating city, and there are always stories to tell, it seems. And certainly for somebody on the, on the crime beat, I should say crime and police beat. Baltimore's got a lot of things to keep you busy. Let's talk a little bit about the book before we get much further into this. Did you, you know, how did that come about? Was it something you pitched? Did somebody come to you and say, hey, you know, would you be interested in, in writing something longer about this? You know, I, honestly, as you said, there's, there's so much that's been going on, especially this past few years. And I was focused on the coverage for the paper and thinking about what my next stories would be and how do I come back at this and can I write a series for the paper? But it was actually David Simon a former Sun reporter and the, the creator of The Wire, many other great shows. He reached out to me. He said, you got to do a book, man. He said, HBO is interested in doing a show on this. Uh, you got to do a book. I said, well, how do I, how do, I do that? I never even contemplated that. So he kind of helped me through that process. And uh, like, uh, I was able to link up with Random House, which is a great place. And so the book's called We Own This City. It came out in February. Simon, I should note, is going to be, Liz, is it a monthly column that he's agreed to write for the banner? So we're sort of all trying to work on this together. As fans of The Wire may remember, he had some, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it choice words, but he had certain depictions of what was going on in the large local newspaper in The Wire universe about the transition that was going on in our media, and he wasn't particularly happy about it. That's actually how we met. <laughs> he had written a column for The Washington Post saying that, that the police were trying to get away with stuff, like withholding the names of officers who shoot people because the press had been so decimated. And this was back in, what, 2009? that the press had been so decimated that no one was holding the police accountable. And as the current police reporter, I took exception to that. And I had not met him before, but I marched over to his house <laughs> and I met him that, that, that day. And 
we've been uh, we've been in touch ever since. So his bigger picture was not that any there was any individual you know failure of coverage because certainly my reporting had highlighted the issue he was writing about. But he was really concerned then and as he is now about sort of what corporate ownership was doing to the daily coverage and sort of the expectations of the institutions we cover that you know they smell blood in the water. What what are they going to try to get away with? Right, for sure. And we've seen many examples of, of cities where they've lost their large daily. And just things aren't being covered. Local politics isn't covered. The crime beat isn't being covered. When, you know, COVID happened or, or is continuing to happen, you know, maybe not getting enough local coverage of, you know, health issues around that. So, yes, local journalism is important. And that's why we're here. We're here to talk about the banner. So, first of all, what, what are your roles going to be in the, in the banner? Have those that been figured out yet? Yes, I'm going to be an education reporter, which is what I'm doing now and have been doing for a couple decades at The Sun. So I'll be continuing my role in covering education, but I'll try to do it in a new creative way and look at different stories and rethink, you know, sort of the the daily aspect of it. And I'm going to continue covering crime, but I asked for a broader title of investigative reporter just so if I if I want to cover something else or something that I think intersects with with these these issues I wanted to just have that sort of broader mandate going in but for the most part it'll be more just continuing to look at different aspects of the criminal justice system so do you feel that you have a mandate both of you that you know the sense that you're being brought in and you have these particular beats that you can pretty much define what you want to cover and how you want to cover it Yes, I think one of the really interesting things to me about joining the banner is that we, with the the editor-in-chief, Kimi Yoshino, will be able to sort of decide how we're going to do things and really think through what the role of a news outlet is and how do we reach out to the community in ways we haven't before? How do we have voices on this website that maybe haven't been heard for very often, haven't been heard in Baltimore? And how do we have images and data, you know, present data in interesting ways? It's really so open in terms of what we can do and how we can think through this. There's some other papers that have been rethinking their criminal justice coverage and making it more about, again, I think as I alluded to earlier, sort of the intersection between different social issues and how they, you know, not just crime, not just courtrooms, but, you know, the conditions and things like that and integrating those beats instead of having sort of someone who covers housing, someone who covers, covers health, and then someone who covers crime, but rather the way these issues are all together. And so we're really truly at the blank canvas. We're trying to think about that and try to put that together. Liz and I are some of the first hires and together with Kimmy and the other folks that are on, on board and coming on board, we're really over the next few weeks and months going to be thinking about what that looks like. So I'm you know, as far as the mandate, yeah, the mandate is to try to do it differently right now. I would imagine that both of you have been working, quote unquote, in a digital newsroom, even though you were working for what's traditionally been perceived as a daily newspaper. Do you feel that you're going to be able to go a little further down the road on digital? That Are you going to have to shift your focus too much? Or do you think it really doesn't matter? Those are just extra tools that you're going to, going to have in your toolkit. I mean, I think right now, you know, we certainly were still operating within deadlines and print space and print days, you know, sort of the the Sunday paper was the place where the best content was supposed to go. But at the same time, readership online was low on that day. So we would launch things on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So, you know, those sorts of things, I'm interested to see how we retool that. I think a print approach still has, in terms of limiting words, you know, sometimes you should limit words just because you should limit words. You shouldn't 
just write forever because you're online. So I think some of those principles still apply. But, you know, the Sun had lost a lot of its folks who did some of the supplemental work in terms of what a digital product looks like, like visuals and graphics and just different components that make things engaging to read online. And I've been assured that we're going to try to make that make sure that that is not something that just falls by the wayside. So, yeah, it, it is going to be a shift, but we have been in this environment for you know quite some time already. Yeah, I would say that I don't think in terms of the digital, we're pretty much operating in a digital environment right now. Yeah, I figured as much. It's just, you know, now that you're going to be, you're not going to be necessarily referring to the the paper as it were. We didn't talk about how this is going to, you know, happen. How is, uh, what's the model, the business model for the new website for the banner? The banner will be largely subscription-based, but I think we'll we'll certainly sell ads. One of the things that's sort of unique about what is being tried this time around is that when Stuart went around the country looking at different models for how digital startups had been done, what he began to realize was that in most cases, these startups had been done by journalists who don't necessarily understand the business end of the of the business. So what he did first over the course of the summer and fall was really build out the business end of the model first. And so we're sort of the last part of it, piece of it that's being put in. I don't have extensive knowledge of of the business model. I know it's a little, it's a little unfair, you know, talking to the journalists, you just said that, you know, ventures in the past have been started by journalists. Maybe they should have been started by, by business people. And here we are in a model that was started by somebody whose business. And from what I've read of it, I guess the way you could describe it is that it's, it's well-funded at the beginning in the sense that it has a wealthy backer who's committed to it, committed to, you know, we're going to get this thing up and running, but also, at a certain point, it's going to become self-sufficient. Self-sustaining, yeah. Self-sustaining. So he he has committed to put $15 million of his money into the banner every year. I don't know whether he raises that or it comes out of his own checkbook, but in any event, he is committed to funding it. And I think he's willing to do it for a significant number of years, not forever, but three or four years, five years. He hopes that we grow quickly and that I think he hopes to get to 100,000 subscribers by that point and make it self-sustaining. And I think that it can be done. I know the Sun doesn't have 100,000 subscribers online, I don't believe. Well, let's talk about the newsroom. What What is the newsroom going to be like? I mean, has there been an opportunity for people to meet and discuss this either in person or, or remotely? We both start next week. The folks that are already there have been working in a space downtown for some months. And at some point, we will move into a physical space down at the Inner Harbor. The Baltimore Sun, of course, had a newsroom downtown for, for decades. And then it moved to our printing press in a waterfront neighborhood that's being built up right now. And then the printing press, unfortunately, is being sold off. And so that newsroom sort of in flux right now. But we will have a physical space at the power plant. People who are familiar with Baltimore. It's right by the, the aquarium. And so that'll be our space. And we can we, we haven't been able to work together at the Sun for two years. Our office has been closed. So we're looking forward to uh, being in a, in a space and thinking about these things together. We should be able to go into that space in early April, that new newsroom. And in the meantime, we'll be together in a temporary space. 
Okay. How have you been functioning in the last couple of years, everybody working from home remotely? It's hard. It's sad. <laughs> you know, we've had young reporters who I think really could have benefited from being able to walk over to somebody's desk and talk to them. And, and you know, we've lost some of those people. And it's a hard time for everyone. I don't know. It's weird when you and you go places to cover things, but you can't go into your office to write about them. <laughs> Obviously, some of the things you said, you feel optimistic about this and, and sort of uh, this type of newsroom. Liz, when we were talking in 2020, I remember you were not only talking about getting local ownership for the paper, but also the sense of the reporters that the employees had a say in what was going to be going on in the newsroom, or at least the business. Do you feel that that's something that the banners can be able to give you that opportunity? I think so, because... I think that our new editor is very collaborative, and I think she's made it clear that she wants our ideas and our opinions. So I'm really encouraged that this experiment will be collaborative. Okay. How about you, Justin? Do you have a sense that it's it's going to be a collaborative effort? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in these early stages, we've just been in tremendous contact. I think it'll be interesting as it grows larger, sort of how we go about those things and whether you know, there might be some organizing to be done, but that's not something that I'm thinking of at the moment. We're trying to get this thing staffed up and get a good group of people and and work together to make sure that we are, you know, giving people news that they want to subscribe to. This is a new project. I'm cognizant of the fact that when I call people, they're going to say, what's that? I'm going to go out in the neighborhood and say, I write for the banner. They're going to say, I don't know what that is. And I have to explain it, but that's, I'm excited to explain it. I'm excited to tell people what we're building and try to get them interested in supporting it. What would you tell people that come up to you and ask you, what is the banner? Is that like the sun? You know, is it a weekly paper? What are you going to tell them? I mean, the narrative that I like is just that somebody tried to buy the sun and save it. You know, our, our campaign through the guild was save our sun and it didn't work. But the person who wanted to save the sun is building something new. And I think that that's a good, good thing to tell people that, you know, and I'm from here. You know, I've worked here 17 years. Liz has worked here. 30 years, uh, 35, and, and, you know, 35, 35. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, we, you know, we are familiar faces. We know the neighborhoods, we know the issues. We're now at a new outfit. And I, one of the things I wanted to say to one of the questions earlier, and I forgot was just, you know, the importance of, of continuity, I think in local journalism is so important. There's so many issues. You know, if you don't engage certain government agencies, if you don't ask for things, it becomes foreign to them and they stop giving them away. Anne Arundel County didn't want to give police reports anymore, you know, fundamental stuff like this, because if people aren't asking for it, they'll try to change it. And journalists really do play a role in saying, hold on, not not so fast. You, you have to give that police report. You have to let us in that courtroom. You have to let us into this school board meeting. And, and people who know those things, you know, need to teach those things to the next wave and make sure that we keep people accountable. And so many people sort of pass through these institutions. And, you know, when you get to know people, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get to know people. <laughs> and so we want to keep that going. You know, I want to stay in Baltimore. I want to keep reporting on these issues, try to do a better job with new ways of thinking about it. Yeah, I'm just excited about the future. The way I would answer that question also is that this new outlet, the Baltimore Banner, will be operated by a nonprofit, the Venetulis Institute for Local Journalism. So there would be local people making decisions about the journalism. And that means that um, we can be much more responsible and communicative with the public. Our readers are our neighbors. And the ownership of the paper or the ownership of this new outlet 
is your neighbor. We really want the community of Baltimore to feel as though they own this newspaper. This is their outlet for journalism. And I hope that the people in this region really take that seriously and see it as theirs. The Baltimore Sun is owned by, you know, a big hedge fund. It doesn't have the same responsibility to the local community as a locally owned institution does. So I'm excited that we will take into account our local readers in a way I don't think that a big corporation or a big chain of newspapers really can. That's what's so exciting about this. I think you're going to be have this experiment where you're going to, you're going to have this business model that hasn't been sort of tried on this scale. And then you're staffing up with people who are local, who both of you have years of experience covering your different beats. You know, the idea that within a couple of years, this will be self-sufficient. After a couple of years of working on this, what what do you want people to, to think about the about the, see, I call it a paper. What did you want people to think about the banner? Where do you hope that you're going to be? Personally, I, I hope that we've been able to build something that works for Baltimore, that that is self-sustaining, but that provides the news coverage that people are looking for, and, and hopefully even a model for other cities. I think that, you know, other cities are going through similar issues, and, you know, perhaps this model is a way forward. I think, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention, too, is like there's other sources of funding that are, not, that are available through a nonprofit model, things that we didn't necessarily spend a lot of time thinking through and how to put together and how to make this stuff work. And I think that we really are hoping that we can, you know, save journals in Baltimore, but also in local communities across the country. I really hope that people every day think, oh, I can't wait to to look at the website of the Baltimore Banner because I'm sure there's going to be something interesting there for me to read that I wouldn't have expected, something, some voice I wouldn't have thought to read or know about. And I hope there's also great investigative work on our website and wonderful images. Things to look at, things to inform and establish a community, I guess, around the banner. Liz and Justin, thank you for being on the podcast. I've been talking to Liz Bowie and Justin Fenton, two recent hires for the Baltimore Banner, a new website, news website focused on covering the Baltimore community. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Capre wrote our theme music. Emilio Brust helped with our booking. Steph Thomas is our social media manager. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.